several different can be understood or seen on several different in several different ways at several different levels. Ophthalmologists, okay, that's a million-dollar word for some of you. Ophthalmologists, those are eye doctors. Uh, ophthalmologists and opticians speak of 2020 vision as the ability to see perfectly without needing to use glasses, wear glasses or contact lenses. How many of you have 2020 vision can see perfectly. Look at that. Okay, you could be an airplane pilot or a bus driver, right? Okay. Anyway, an airplane pilot. Okay. There are you. Nobody else. Nobody else. 2020. Okay. Hey. No. Without corrective lenses. Okay. All right. Very good. How about that? Okay. Lydia. Very good. Lydia. So we have two strong people here. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Maybe maybe uh, <clears throat> Timothy has has 2020. Okay. Um, it means that your vision simply is normal, okay? That you can read the letters in, a, in an eye test, back to that other picture, please, uh, an eye test clearly at 20 feet, okay? You can read the letters at 20 feet, 20 feet away, okay? 20 feet is about, what, 6 meters 33 or whatever. Uh, but Naomi has informed us that an eagle has 20 slash 2, okay? I guess... Uh, you know, what you can see at 20 feet, an eagle can see at 2 feet. Okay, 2 feet is about... With the, the, the clarity that you see at 2 feet, the eagle can see that same amount of clarity with the object at 20 feet. All right, thank you. It's the other way around. Okay, <laughs> okay. mutatis mutandis. This is what we say in my department, mutatis mutandis. Okay, anyway, very good. Uh, okay, it means, or as he just said there, all right, we normally associate the word vision also in a more figurative sense of ideas, plans, and goals that you would like to accomplish uh, or achieve in the, in the near or maybe long-term future. I have some goals actually for 2020. I hope you do. Uh, maybe more generally, you might think of what your life would also be like at the end of 20, the year 2020 and beyond. Uh, whether you're thinking, though, in terms of physical vision or figurative vision, metaphorical vision, having clear, unimpaired, and sharp or precise vision is not only something that we need, but something really worth aiming for, striving for. Though New Year's resolutions are often not kept for more than a few weeks, they are good. And they are, and, and a suggestion for this year, the suggestion that I had, could be finding out what is at fault with our vision as it is. And then to try to bring God into the equation. Yeah, kind of like glasses, you know, our contact lenses. What we need to find out is how God sees us and our lives here and now, and how he wants to change and enhance it for our own benefit, but not only for that, more importantly, for his glory. Having 20-20 vision does not necessarily mean that your vision is perfect. Uh, the 20-20 scale only determines visual clarity right from a distance, 20 feet, Okay. Uh, so maybe, you know, all the rest of you, you know, all of us except for the two who had 2020, uh, you know, that's a little bit of a consolation prize for it. Visual health also includes peripheral vision. Okay, Tim, 
How good is your peripheral vision? Okay, if you, you have to have perfect peripheral vision also if you're going to be an airplane pilot. At least this is what I know. Okay, all right, you could have it tested. Uh, it also uh, includes depth perception. Uh, it includes color, uh, coordination, ability to focus, recognition, comprehension, and being free from various eye disorders, okay? I'm not going to tell you all the glaucomas and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, in fact, most people don't have this 2020 vision, as we found out tonight. Still, everyone knows that having clear sight is essential to getting around safely and to do all the things that you want to do, though we might need some aids of some kind or another, not just glasses, contact lenses, or biologists, where are you? You're going to be a biologist, right? What's the main tool of a biologist? Microscope. Microscope, okay, very good. Are you going to be an astrophysicist, or are you going to be an astronomer? What's the main tool? Your brain. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Telescope, okay, that's what I was getting at. Or sensors of some sort. Somebody, Mary was talking about engineering or something. Sensors, okay. You know, all sorts of sensors, you know. The same is true for vision, sight, though in the non-material sense, okay. We're operating on several levels. Here's the material, physical, uh, natural world sense. But a lot of these facts, and properties of the natural world also fit in the non-material world, that is, in the invisible world or in the spiritual world, okay? The same is true with vision, sight, in the non-material sense. That is, talking about our perception of ourselves, our perception of the world, our plans and aspirations. We need to see clearly in the spiritual, invisible realm too. But that also requires help. How can we see what is unseen ahead in the future deep inside the heart? And I'm not talking about, a for all of you cardiologists here, a, uh, they looked inside my heart twice. They really did. I could even see it on the screen, but I didn't want to look, so I didn't look. Uh, what is this? Heart catheterization, right? They've done this to me twice. Once here and once here, and it was not fun, okay? I, I hated that, okay? But, you know, they saw inside my heart physically, all right? But how do we do that in a non-physical sense? See inside our heart. We need help. And we can only get it, and they could only do it to my heart from the outside, objectively, not from within ourselves, subjectively. As Christians, we believe that this outside help comes only from God, and therefore it is important for us to discern God's plan for our lives and to hear God's word uh, the Bible is our best guide with wisdom and spiritual insight. So yet with all of those things said, some things often stand in the way of us seeing clearly. Again, we're working on the two levels, the material, physical world, and we're working on the immaterial uh, <clears throat> world, spiritual. What impairs our vision and how can we overcome these hindrances? Bible says that the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. 
And that's true. If you have an eye disease, I mean, you're really, you're really in bad shape. Okay. And there's an expression in English. Uh, how many of you don't know this expression? You can't see the forest for the trees. How many of you don't understand what I'm talking about? You can't see the forest for the trees. Okay, well, go over here and find out into the forest, okay? <laughs> go looking. That is, you can't see the forest for the trees. It's you're not seeing the whole. Are you simply being short-sighted? Near-sighted people can't see the chalkboard or the whiteboard or the blackboard, whichever board it is, or they can't read the traffic signs. But people who are short-sighted also, we say, they, they do not think about or they do not see the more distant consequences of what they are doing right now. We say they are short-sighted. They are myoptic. The Bible describes that in this way. For now we know in parts. We only know in part. But when completeness comes in the future, what is in part disappears. Children often see things in an immature, self-centered way, only satisfying momentary wishes or desires. But when we grow up, hopefully, we put away this childish way of thinking to think and to realize things long term. The Bible says, for now we see only a reflection as in a, a mirror, actually a cloudy reflection as in a bad mirror. But then we shall see face to face. Now I know, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Interesting verse. In this life, we may never see everything, problems or uh, situations or difficulties clearly, but Christians believe that one day we will see things clearly in God's presence. But other times, we can't see clearly because there's some sort of blockage. Some sort of blockage is in the way. All those big German guys, all at least six feet three inches tall, were blocking my view. I couldn't see the screen of the Super Bowl back 20 years ago, and it irritated me, okay, watching the Super Bowl game. All these oak trees were standing blocking my view. There's blockage. Something in the way, or we fail to focus our attention at, at something appropriately. And when our focus is wrong, we fail to see even what is directly in front of us. And we miss especially seeing important details as clearly as we should. In particular, we often fail to see our own failures and shortcomings. Okay, My most embarrassing ever moment. What is your most embarrassing moment ever? Here it is, intubing it. Ta-da, video here, okay, roll the tapes. 1986, I was an exchange student, okay, in 1986, where were you, okay, where was daddy, where was mommy, okay, anyway, anyway, I was over here at a photocopy shop over here on Melanchthonstrasse, I think, it's just right over here, one of these little cross streets. I was at a photocopy shop making photocopies, and, uh, you know, I was really, you know, into my stuff here. And uh, then suddenly I panicked. I had this panic feeling of, oh my God, where are my glasses? Okay, here we go. We've got to do the scene again. Okay. Where are my glasses? 
And so I went around the coffee shop asking people, you know, where are my glasses? Have you seen my glasses? Have you seen my glasses? Well, okay, well, you know, did you leave them over there at the copier? Well, you know, okay, well, you have seen my glasses? Oh, where are my glasses? Where are my glasses? Oh, angry, I went out the photocopy shop, walked down the road about, oh, 20 yards, 30 yards, and then. Ding, dong. Ding, dong. Okay, here it is. Okay. This needs to be a video. Make a YouTube video of it. Okay, the story of my life, absent-mindedness. That's called absent-mindedness. Okay, absent. I was an absent-minded professor when I was your age. Okay, that's terrible. All right. Uh, Jesus spoke on the subject. We can't see right in front of us. We can't focus. Jesus says, "How how can you say to your brother, let me take a speck out of your eye, a very small thing." When all the time there is a plank, something very big, a log in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log or the plank out of your own eye, and then you will be able to clearly remove the speck from your brother's eye. We also don't see clearly if we're not paying attention because we're sleeping. Only anybody sleeping here tonight? You see anybody sleeping there in the back row? I hope not. Uh, we're sleeping. We need to be woken up to see what is happening right before our very eyes. People of Israel were spiritually asleep at different times in the Old Testament, and they were missing what God had in store for them. And so the Old Testament prophet Isaiah exhorted them to arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. We have no clear vision also when we're looking in the wrong direction. Are you concerned with things that are important now? Sometimes people like me, I like to linger in the past, you know, what I was doing in 1986 or, you know, what I was doing in 1996 uh, or dreamed of what could have been, you know, if things had only been a little different, you know, without any sense of what really actually is present. It's 2020. And so we look sideways, we look backwards instead of concentrating on the present and looking forward to what can be. And so the Lord also says to the prophet Isaiah, forget the former things. We've had this verse a couple of times, right? Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. And now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Do you see it? We also cannot see properly, clearly, when we ourselves are standing in the way. We miss something important because we're self-centered and we're proud. Bible teaches us, do not, in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, if you learned several memory verses tonight, learn this one. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each one of you. In humility, value others above yourselves. 
Not looking to your own interests, but each one of you to the interests of others in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You know, sometimes we can just view things so wrongly. Our sight is clouded like a mist. It's like having a cataract. How many of you have ever had a cataract? Okay, it's only Barbara and Naomi. Anybody else? Cataracts? No? Okay, no. You? You? You're too young. Okay, good grief. Okay, where is your husband? He's had this too, right? It, it, it runs in the family, okay? Look, look what you have to look forward to in 20 years. Okay? All right, I'm just telling you. Uh, Douglas, where are you? Okay, all right, he's falling asleep somewhere. Okay, because of, because of our wrong way of looking at it, our, our sight is clouded in a mist. It's like a veil that present, prevents us from seeing the truth. And some people reject God or faith in Jesus Christ because they say of some wrong idea or thinking, some excuse, but this excuse, this thinking acts as a veil to hide the truth about God or about themselves. But digging deeper, though, this philosophical idea or this so-called intellectual objection itself isn't the real underlying problem, but it's a person's attitude instead. Bible says, though, but whenever a person, anyone, turns to the Lord, the veil will be taken away. The physical veil that separates us from God's holiness and presence was torn apart at Jesus' death on the cross, opening the way to God to anyone, for everyone. And so the good news is, because Jesus died in our place, taking our punishment, the punishment for our sin when He died on the cross, He made forgiveness and a new spiritual life possible for those who trust in Him as their personal Savior and Lord. Our vision becomes clearer when we trust in God. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, he says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. But you know the worst case of all of uh, sight problems, eye problems, what the worst case is? Anybody know? Blind. blind. Totally blind. You know, or we, We've got a guy that we know here sent me a text message just a few minutes ago. He's about 85% blind. Okay. Today, the blind or partially blind people can learn to manage their lives to, with a great de deal of helps, uh, aids, but, but yet up to now, there seems to be no cure for blindness in general. If you can do that, only God can completely restore sight to the blind. But the Bible teaches us, Jesus says that nothing is impossible with God. And so Jesus, having compassion and in God's authority, heals many blind people. And once there was a man born blind, and the scripture says, Jesus says he was born blind expressly to God's glory. Okay, that's kind of a hard one there. Yet, in the story that we read tonight in John 9, we read that, Great teachers, more learned than this simple blind man, though they could see the scriptures and read God's truth, written in God's word in the Bible about the one who would one day perform this great miracle, they couldn't see the reason why this blind man was so happy, frozen, and changed. 
But, you know, wouldn't it be normally self-evident, clear for all to see? But they don't get it. Though they can see it with their own eyes that the once blind man still sees, and though they can see Jesus, they are still spiritually blind. They cannot see who this man Jesus really is. You see, the Messiah, the King, God has promised his people, Israel, who would come and redeem them, to heal them, even the blind, whom God had foretold even in the Old Testament, the Bible. The once blind man is a huge piece of empirical evidence to believe and to see clearly. And he's standing right in front of them, and they still don't get it. You know, uh, where are my glasses? Where are my glasses? Still don't get it. Still don't get it. That's tragic. Why not? That's what you call spiritual blindness. What is spiritual blindness? The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 1, uh, we worship the created instead of the creator. We give honor to material things we see instead of to the personal, powerful, invisible, exalted creator who created it all out of nothing. And we get so sucked up into our own lives, into our own desires, into our own pleasures and lifestyle that we rule God out. We miss Him completely. We cannot see Him at all. We are spiritually blind. And speaking through the prophet Isaiah, God asks us, Can the clay pot say to the potter, He didn't make me. He knows nothing. Spiritual blindness concerning our relationship to God is the main hindrance to seeing our lives clearly. John Newton, Amazing Grace. Have we sung that? Did we sing that tonight? Have we sung that? We haven't sung that. Okay. Not yet. Okay. We're getting there. Okay. Amazing Grace, writer John Newton, uh, shares his personal testimony. And he says, I once, I once was lost. But now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Thank you. John Newton wasn't talking about losing direction or eyesight here, but he was talking about his own hardened attitude towards God that prevented him and prevented millions of others from accepting Jesus into his life, into their own lives. Jesus explains that he, the light, has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be like that professor that you were talking about in Korea, you know. Okay, I'd be afraid of that too. Deeds would be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Spiritual blindness is caused by spiritual darkness, which is caused by our sins. We don't want God to know about what we're doing wrong, so we hide it. We cover it up. We rationalize and justify our own lifestyles and attitudes that aren't pleasing to God. 
Just like in the very beginning, Adam and Eve and their son Cain when he killed his brother Abel. But Jesus came to solve this very problem of sin as God's peace offering to restore us to fellowship with him and to pay the righteous penalty for our sin. And John says about Jesus, see the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Before healing the, the man born, born uh, blind from birth, Jesus says to the people, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is showing them here, the Jewish people, out of the way out of this dilemma of the darkness that we are in, in the sin, because of the sins that entangled us. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then after healing the blind man, Jesus meets him again in the temple to lead him to spiritual healing too. He asks him, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped Jesus. He worshipped Jesus. And then the man said, I believe. Lord, I believe. The way to spiritual healing is clear. It's simply to believe in Jesus. It's worshipping Him. It's allowing Him to take control over your life. But Jesus' enemies, the Pharisees, though they could see Him right in front of Him, couldn't see their own spiritual blindness because of their sin and not trusting in Him. Jesus is saying that as long as we think and act as if we, are, as if we see clearly on our own and we're not willing to repent, we're not willing to acknowledge our sin and need for forgiveness, then we are guilty in God's eyes and on judgment day if we do not seek and accept the healing and forgiveness that only Jesus can give. Spiritual blindness, living without God, is the main hindrance to clear vision, but it can be overcome by faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus was the answer for the blind man, and the Jesus is the answer for us today. So what can it mean for us to have clear vision? A lack of hope uh, and a failure to put one's trust in Jesus are the main hindrances for seeing clearly now and in the future. The Bible often speaks of everything that happens being done in God's sight. There are a lot of scripture references that say that. Yet it says, for we live by faith and not by sight. Talking about how we can be sure about our eternal future. We live by faith. Not by sight. Getting clear vision means having faith in God through Christ Jesus. Faith is a matter of the heart. It, therefore, Paul, the Apostle Paul prays for his Christian friends in this way. He prays that the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. But what is that? What is faith? What if we still don't understand it? It's about seeing ourselves first. As Paul says in Romans 12 verse 13 again. Seeing ourselves in accordance with 
in line with the measure of faith God has given you. Clear vision for 2020 does not just mean cold, hard realism, which might lead you in a lot of situations, you know, in, in, uh, in the situations that she was talking about in her life story before it. It might, hard, cold, hard realism might just lead you to despair and despondency and, instead of leading you to faith. What is faith? Faith isn't hard, cold realism. Faith isn't just facts. Faith isn't just facts, but it is confidence in God, confident in what God has promised in His Word, confident in the things yet unseen, as if they have already happened, as if they already exist. Right? Isn't that right? <laughs> This is my paraphrase of the definition of faith given in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. The examples given in Hebrews 1 show this very clearly. Clear vision is seeing as God sees. Though it might not yet exist, at least in the visible, material, physical world, God already sees it. It exists. He alone calls it into being. It is Creatio ex nihilo, okay, creation ex nihilo, being created from nothing, all that is. That means we need to have faith like the blind man, a living faith that guides our life and all that we do and think. Now, did you catch the little detail in the story? It's not an explicit detail, but it is an implicit detail in the story about the blind man in John chapter 9. Did you catch it? When Jesus healed the blind man, he, the blind man, hadn't yet. Here we go. <laughs> hadn't yet. Complete the sentence. Seen Jesus. Seen Jesus. Right? Everybody agree with that? Is that a is that a logical deduction from the text? All right, it's a logical deduction from the text. You ever thought about that? He hadn't yet seen Jesus, but he was healed, right? He had only heard what Jesus had told him to do and obeyed it. That's all. God isn't expecting a strong and almost perfect faith, at least in the beginning. He says that even as much as faith as you have as a mustard seed is sufficient. And a despairing man once brought his sick son to Jesus and said, Lord, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus replied, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. As long, though, as we sincerely want to believe and put our initial trust in Jesus, he will help this mustard seed faith grow however small it is. God accepts us just as we are when we respond to his call to follow Jesus. Seeing clearly with 2020 vision means seeing ourselves according to the measure of faith God has given us. And he gives us faith. When we simply come to Him, we listen to His Word, and we obey it. We don't have to see it. With faith in Jesus, we see ourselves in the world and our problems, our goals and aims, 
though in a different and clearer way. Some years ago, and I told this story this morning, uh, I won't give her her proper name to you uh, because I got this microphone on here. Anyway, it's going to be in the internet. So JW, I'll just say JW. Okay, that's a, a guy from Texas, right? It's not a guy from Texas. It's a Texas boy, but it's a it's a Chinese girl. Okay, pharmacy student. She believed in Jesus Christ and was baptized here in 2007. Her picture's on the wall back there. Uh, she had heard some things about the Bible and about the Christian faith. Uh, she'd also heard that you know other people had first experienced you know crises in their lives and you know experienced problems in their lives before coming to Jesus. But she didn't want any of that. You know. I don't want that. I don't, Lord, I don't want, I don't want that problem. You know, I don't want to do that. You know, if that's what it takes for you to be a Christian, I don't want that, okay? And, you know, honestly, everything was going well for her. She didn't have any problems in her life, didn't have any problems in her studies, you know. Everything was going out fine, going fine, you know. And she didn't notice, though, that on the inside, she had a prideful attitude. And a few months later, she went to this conference of Chinese uh, students and uh, over Easter, the Easter break, and uh, she found out a bit more about the Bible and about faith than she was finding out here, you know, kind of, you know, it's in her own clear channel, you know, Chinese, and she heard a Chinese pastor speaking as he talked about his own faith, and he said he couldn't believe as a professor, he was a professor as well, he couldn't believe as a professor because he was afraid of losing his prestige and his pride, and J.W. felt like the pastor was speaking to her directly. And then she noticed spiritual vision. She noticed that her prideful attitude was not right. She had to give up the old wineskin. We talked about uh, wineskins today. The old wineskin of pride and allow Jesus to make her into a new wineskin with his new wine. They allow Jesus to change her. But when she took the step of listening to God's word more carefully and examining herself, then God gave her faith to trust in and follow Jesus to save, change her life, and to change her attitudes completely. God's Holy Spirit works bringing light into the way that we perceive everything so that we may know better and know all that he has called us to be and all that he has prepared for us. And we have the assuring promise of God's continuing help and strength. The Bible says that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like my favorite bird with bird's eye view, bird vision, eagles, 22 vision, slash two vision. Uh, they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. For young Christians tonight, what does God expect of you? It's not miracles, but he has given you, he has given you faith. He has given you trust in him. What pleases God is always faith in him, what he has done in the past, what he is doing in the present, and what he will do in the future. That's what pleases God. It's faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, without faith it is impossible to please God. But what if I'm not even a Christian? Well, it's the same. It's the same. We believe, even if you're not a Christian, you're an atheist, okay? Maybe you have atheist friends. 
that's okay. You know, I'd just like to see him here next time at Sunday Night Fellowship. Love to meet him. Welcome him here to uh, a presentation to all of the beautiful worship songs, to all of the delicious snacks, etc., and to get to know all of you beautiful people. But what if you're not a Christian? It's the same. You know, we believe that as we trust in, we rely on so many things in the physical, material world that we cannot see. You cannot see it, even with the best optic technology, but, right, astrophysicist, you still know, right? You perceive that it exists. Seeing is believing, some people think, but seeing is also not believing. It's possible to see something and not accept it. To not accept it, to not realize the power and the potential, the possibility, and the application for it. You know, one of the most famous guys in the world uh, were the, some of the most famous guys in the world were the Wright brothers. Anybody know the Wright brothers? Okay. Wright brothers were not a singing group. Okay. This was not a singing group. Anybody know who the Wright brothers are? If you know, okay, I want you, if you know, I want you to wave your arms like this. Okay. All right, and say boing, boing, boing. Okay. Anyway, 1909, the Wright brothers, Kitty Hawk, uh, North Carolina, had the first in flight, you know, the first flight, right? But you know, when the Wright brothers were your age, you know, Tim, Tim's age, their daddy was a pastor, you know, like me. And their daddy was talking to some guy, you know, bishop, you know, and said, well, no, uh, you know, well, well, you know, we have to say this in a nice North Carolina accent, you know, so, well, you know, if God had meant for us to fly, he'd have given us wings, right? Okay, the rest is history, right? In other words, high-tech isn't high-tech. It's really low-tech, still being developed. God's power in tech is still so much vaster and higher unfathomably greater, higher, farther, wider, deeper, because he is the ultimate creator of all that is seen and unseen. Yet what he really wants for us is for us to know him completely. Faith isn't about discovering power or technology or ability to use or apply power or ability, but it's about Knowing a person who is infinitely greater than ourselves, and this is the yet infinitely humbler than ourselves, willing to lower himself to serve us humbly. You want to get to know him? You want to see him one day? What if we find out and experience bits and pieces of what this person has done for us, how this person has served us, how this person has provided for us, guided and directed us? Do we still want to get to know him? Well, of course. Otherwise, what is really behind the visible physical world remains a mystery, obscure, hidden, undiscovered, how sad clear vision, still wants to see it all one day clearly. What could our vision be for 2020? Deciding on what our personal vision should be for 2020, it's of most importance to find out what God's vision is for us. 
when He called us to become a part of His family, to be forgiven through the blood of Jesus, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished upon us. Those He called, He also justified. Those He justified, He also glorified. Jesus' mission into the world was to seek and to save the lost, to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Only Jesus could pay that price for all. But we can share the good news of this and serve others in love and humility. So when Jesus Christ is the center of our vision for 2020, we're on the right track. We can enter into relationship with Jesus simply by asking him in prayer to come into your life and to show him how he sees things that are important to you, how to change you so that your vision comes into line with his vision. The Apostle Paul's motto, life motto, is forgetting what is behind. I'm straining towards what is ahead and I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Having 2020 vision physically, physical 2020 vision is nothing without underlying personal faith in Jesus to carry you through the, the, the unforeseen unforeseen realities of life, death, and beyond. Having faith is a matter of the heart. And our memory verse today that we're going to look later is a metaphor that talks about having the eyes of our hearts enlightened, open to see more clearly the hope to which we were called. The consequences of our faith and calling and God's purpose for our life. When our vision is enlightened, we are able to see and grasp something more of God's grace to us. A power that is so great that it raised Jesus from the dead and took him back to heaven to rule with God as the Father, as the head of the church. My prayer for you, and it can be also our prayer for ourselves, that our Hearts would be open to see Jesus, hope to see, see things as Jesus sees them. To allow the Spirit of God to enlighten the eyes of our heart, to comprehend more the riches that are ours in Christ Jesus. What are the riches that are ours in Christ Jesus? Well, they aren't always material prosperity. They aren't always material success. They are, however, despite failure and poverty. They are to have the peace of God which goes beyond understanding. They are deep joy, not because of excess success necessarily, but deep joy despite suffering, persecution, disadvantages, or being mocked for our faith. These riches also include hope that God will one day bring justice and deliverance in his time and that he will provide for our needs and receive glory and praise for it. How can we see these things that are unseen at first? How can you see? Oh, say, can you see? How can you see the unseen things at first? You can't. But you take time to be with Him in prayer, reading His Word a couple of minutes a day, maybe ten minutes a day. You begin to follow the clear guidance that He will give and His promises of His Word to make your vision 2020 clear and the year 2020 a very special one. His Word begins to transform our lives and our attitudes. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, do not be conformed to this world's thinking, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can judge and understand God's perfect will. You, we may not see it at first, but other people may begin noticing at us, uh, noticing it, and they may begin asking us, you know, something's different about you. What is it? We are surprised when somebody asks that question of us. You know, we're shocked because, frankly, we don't seem to feel any different. We don't seem to look any different, you know, to ourselves. But then we remember that we've begun seeking God and his kingdom first. And we started reading about Jesus. We started thinking about our, our own lives and his life and our own lives and we see that something is missing in our lives, and we see our mistakes, and we see, our, and we see his perfection, and we begin to desire his grace. Finally, we stop relying on ourselves, and we ask him for help in all of our ways. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. No matter what we're faced with in life, no matter how difficult it can be, why not seek the Lord's help? Have you ever prayed simply in some situation, Lord, I simply need some help. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how to handle this. I'm between a rock and a hard place, and I need help. Jesus tells us simply to do this one thing. Ask, and you will receive. Will you, you will, it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. And God's word challenges us. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And he commands us and he promises us, cast all your anxieties and your cares and worries and fears on him because he cares for you. We need the 2020 vision of 2020 of seeking the Lord in all things in life. Often we try to do things for ourselves, by ourselves. We often we try to do things with human help instead of simply seeking the Lord. Isn't God all loving and all wise and all powerful? Then stop doing things by yourself. Seek the Lord more in 2020. That's God's vision. That's God's will for us. And then finally, don't stop dreaming or having visions of doing good things in this life. John Dewey, famous American philosopher and educator, not necessarily a Christian, okay? Not one of my big, big, big Hebrew heroes, but he was famous for saying the, this quote, when you stop dreaming, you die. That's kind of right. God's will for us in 2020 is to have 2020 vision for doing good things for Him. Dreaming of good things for Him. As the Scripture says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Amen. Our Bible memory verse for tonight is from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, uh, the first half of that, all right? Uh, I'm going to count to three, and we'll all uh, recite this, okay? One, two, three. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Okay, one more time. One, two, three. 
I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Ephesians 1 verse 18. Thank you.